It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. That second one in the game, I probably would have kept it, you know, two more yards, this and that. I was trying to play all that in my head at the same time. and um, But that would be a challenge that, that I would... Um, and that's part of going back to the process of self-evaluation, you know, making those decisions. I'd probably probably hang on to that and keep it for, obviously, a situation that didn't show up in the game. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? This is episode number 208 of your favoriteest Eagles podcast and the only podcast that exists in the world, BGN Radio episode number 208. I'm John Stolnes. Uh, we're going to take you through Eagles-Bengals preview for this week. And joining me is my broadcast partner, good friend, and raconteur, Matt Daring. Matt, how are you, pal? I uh, just flew in from Paris, and man, they, they got they got good uh, crap, I don't know, bread over there. Cheese. Yeah. They specialize in cheese, yes. You can make a fine quesadilla in Paris with all that good cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Parisian legacy. They love their quesadillas in Paris. I've been there many times. Um, Well, listen, we've got a a game to break down this week, Matt. Um, It's not exactly... It's not exactly getting the folks excited, I don't believe, because I think a lot of the wind was taken out of the sails after the Eagles lost against the Green Bay Packers last week. And they're kind of, I think Eagles fans are are staring down the barrel of the final five games, unfortunately not meaning a whole lot as far as getting into the playoffs, wins and losses. After the Packers last week, Matt, how do you, how you feeling? How do you feel about the, these last five games? Do do the Eagles uh, still have a shot to make this season somewhat worth watching here at the end? Well, it's going to be tough, right? I mean, I think that what they're up against right now is um, some pretty bad offensive performance. You know, uh, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not really sure how much fun it's going to be here watching these finish out. It's certainly going to be. It's certainly going to make a lot of people very angry. And um, you know, I don't really know what to do. I think at this point, I'm sort of throwing up my hands and saying, "Yikes, uh, they really got to reload next year." I, you know, I understand that this is a this is a process, and they have the guy to build around. Um, I think that much is clear, but you know this is not the Bryce Treggs, Paul Turner. They did not rejuvenate the offense. I guess like we were hoping. 
Yeah, I really thought it was going to happen. Really thought we were going to see Paul Turner come back and, and, and make some magic happen. And, you know, no, I think John Barchard um, on the last episode um, kind of explained it pretty well. You know, it seems kind of silly. The guy didn't get a single target, didn't play a single – did he even play a single snap? I think uh, he did, his, but he didn't did get he? any targets. No, definitely didn't get any targets. And we kept hearing all week how, you know, Wentz had this connection with Paul Turner. And obviously that didn't come to pass. Um, but, the, you know, that new Nick Foles is good with Riley Cooper. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't that the same? I mean, it's the same sort of crap we've heard, we've heard about for a little yeah. while now. I wouldn't put yeah. any I wouldn't put any stock in anything like that that you hear about that until further notice. No, I, I agree. You know, and it's just given the way the season started out, my, Matt, I remember, you know, back in the the the, the early podcasts from this year when, when you and I were together and we were we were looking at a three and start. I remember we were on together after the after the Steelers game and just feeling so good about where things were going. And clearly we were, you know, I feel like my vision was clouded based on on what we had seen. Like I, I had gotten excited because we had just seen, you know, we knew after the first two wins against the Bears and the Browns that that the the Eagles really played very very well. But it was we were waiting for that test against a good team, and when they obliterated the Steelers, I mean that just set that set the expectations up so high that now obviously they ha- they have come way short of meeting those expectations so you know we're looking at a team that's 5 and 6 and they are I-, I think i looked on at the new york times they do their odds of a player their playoff odds and the eagles are at like 8% they have to win out i mean that's pretty much the only way this can happen they have to win out and if they can do that then you know maybe they've got a shot but that is a that is an unrealistic task when you look at this roster. And I guess that's my point is when you take a step back and look at this roster and you, and you look at the players and especially when Jordan Matthews went out in that Packers game last Sunday, you just have to sit back and say to yourself, they don't have the horses, Matt. They, they don't have the guys to, to mount a charge here at the end of the season. Do they? Uh, no, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, they might have they might have it in them to really put together a nice offensive game plan. I think we've seen them do it before. And we even see flashes of it sometimes when they can get, you know, not firing on all cylinders, but like firing on, you know, uh, several cylinders. I think that we've seen them put together a little bit of something, but they're definitely I mean, they're 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 on the razor's edge there. And it's we've seen them fall off way too many times. It's not good. Well, I mean, I think Doug Peterson took a lot of heat this week, and some of it is fair because you saw some silly challenges that he made. You know, challenging the two-yard play and some of the some of the play calling is is somewhat questionable. But for the most part, Doug Peterson, I think, has done okay this year. I mean, I you, people keep saying, you know, I, I've seen on a couple people have hit me back on Twitter saying things along the lines of, well, he's cost them games, and you know, he's cost them at least one or two games this year. Well. You know, this is his people need to remember this is Doug Peterson's first season. He's as much of a rookie as Carson Wentz is. And the reason I bring this up is because you look at the talent that he's got to work with right now on offense specifically, there's there's nothing there. There's just they haven't been able to develop Nelson Aguilar. And I don't want to talk about him much at all this week, but you know, the fact remains that they were counting on him this year to be a part of a productive offense, and that obviously hasn't happened. And so you've got Doug Peterson trying to call plays with personnel that can't do anything. And so, you know, my, my, the, the, my whole point with Doug Peterson right now is you just got to, you know, anybody who thinks that he's anywhere near a hot seat or that his seat is in the least bit lukewarm is, has lost their marbles. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why people are so quick to, to, to jump on Doug Peterson here. Just, there's no, there's no semblance of seeing the long plan here at all. 
Yeah, I think people just sort of never liked him, and and now that he's sort of is okay, and that the team is like okay, people are thinking like, ah, oh, this guy, you know, I don't know, promote Jim Schwartz. Like, I don't know what I don't yeah. know what they're th- I don't know what they're thinking is maybe. Uh, God, I don't know. Maybe we can get Gus Bradley in here, but you know, the, 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 <laughs> probably the be th- available soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any day now. So, but uh, I don't know. Doug does. Doug doesn't deserve the, the sort of thing. I think that what we've seen is uh, a little up and down, a little bit of inexperience. But then, I mean, the questioning, the play calling stuff is is just totally inane to me. And I don't, I don't really want to get too much into it. But like, it's bizarre to me that people will be like, oh, you know, like. <laughs> oh the run was working and then it wasn't but why'd they get away from the run because it wasn't working anymore you know like because it was second and ten (laughs) adjustments adjustments second and ten yeah you don't run exactly no i mean and and so and the same thing with like i remember the giants game where they're like what was that like run the ball what are you doing running the ball inside like no you that's where you know that it's a place to run the ball. It's not like you know he dialed up uh, the the bad play. You know, just run the good plays, not the bad plays. I don't know the the questioning of the play calling to me. That's probably that is probably my least favorite thing about all of sports conversation. Is yeah. like you know a play calling discussion and and how these things shook out. But um, I don't think that Doug deserves this sort of this sort of hate at all. I mean, to be honest, I think that you know going forward, if with with Wentz, you know with Smallwood with Matthews, although I'm sort of sick of him at this point. And, you know, thinking about loading up in free agency with, you know, either top tier guys or mid tier guys and then going heavy in the draft on, you know, some of these receivers, I think they could have a really nice passing game next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that has to be the priority too. I mean, you know, if if the whole if the whole point of this is to develop Carson Wentz at this point, and obviously that's the most important thing is making sure that Carson Wentz is set up for success in the future, starting next year. Then the key is to get him some weapons. I think for you know so that he has some place to go with the football because there there's nowhere to go on the outside, and and you know we keep waiting for. We keep waiting for Zach Ertz to to happen for it to be a thing, and you know Zach Ertz can can make a Zach Ertz can once in a while catch a ball, but he is certainly not the quarterback's best friend like you would like your tight end, your highly paid tight end to be. Yeah, I uh, I struggle to think of whose contract is worse if it's his or Vinny's. I think it's probably Vinny's. But, probably Vinny's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. You're right. I mean, Zach Ertz is he is not going to happen without some some major retooling. And I don't know if he's still hurt and like whatever. I don't know. Whatever. If he is, look, if Zach Ertz ends up being like okay, I think that would be gravy at this point because to be honest, he doesn't really enter into my my uh, thoughts about what this team looks like going forward at all. Listen, I would take I would take Ch- a Chad Lewis effort from Zach Ertz at this point. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. some something reliable, some something that you know, you know. I mean, Chad Lewis was not a dynamic player, but he was Donovan McNabb's security blanket for for a lot of years there. A, a dependable guy over the middle you could rely on to get you a tough first down on third and eight. Yeah, you know? and, and it's funny because people seem to think that like this is anybody, everybody except for Ertz's fault. <laughs> they just think that like Ertz is some some glorious talent that will not be denied, except that he's being denied, and right. and that you know that they're like, why isn't Ertz more involved? Like God, I don't know, because he stinks, and and so you know why isn't Doug going to Ertz? I don't know, because he's not playing well. Like why isn't Wentz <laughs> looking for Ertz? I don't know, because he doesn't see him because he's not open. Oh, look at him, he's open here. Yeah, but like it's too late. This stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. If we're, if we're talking about where Ertz fits in with the game plan, I think that, like, 
you know, it might be like a nice change of pace, but this is, he's not going to be the, you know, the hundred ball guy or whatever. I think, I think if I had to think about somebody who he is, I think he's like a, like bad Tony Gonzalez, where he's just sort of there. Um, and Tony Gonzalez was like really good about like getting the ball and, and Ertz isn't, but Tony Gonzalez also was like not a great mover, not a great athlete, you know, had his like post move and stuff, but never really got yards after the catch. And that is, I mean, that is Ertz's calling card. Ertz is like, I, yeah, no. we, were, yeah. we were watching that Packers game and I, I think I tweeted this and I was like, uh, there was like this, this play where Ertz goes down because somebody untied his shoelace and, uh, <laughs> the very next play, Kenyon Barner comes in and like takes on six guys and, you know, pushes. And I'm thinking Zach Ertz probably weighs a hundred pounds more than Kenyon Barner, you right. know, maybe not, but like maybe like 80. And so, you know, what's, what's his excuse? What's his right. excuse? <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. Take a yoga I, I class, man. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and this is, you know, and everything that's not happening is 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 not Zach Ertz's fault. He's just one of a, one of many guys on this team earning a lot of money, not playing very well at all. And we're going to get to um, the biggest case here in just a few minutes, but I wanted to kind of double back on on the coaching a little bit because it, it is, I think, the main source of topic, you know, among Eagles fans this week is is the coaching. And again, a lot of the heat's being put on Doug Peterson. But as I've been sitting here going through the week and thinking about this week a lot. The guy that I think really is not taking his fair share of the heat is Jim Schwartz because he was he is the head of this unit. I mean, you've got a situation on the Eagles here where Doug Peterson and Frank Reich handle the offense and the defense is all Jim Schwartz's. I mean, that that's his baby. These are his guys and he's responsible for it. And what and, we and saw if that isn't clear, you know, just look at the signings. I you know, right. I think that you might say, "Well, we don't know." And like I Imagine a world where we're trying to take credit away from Jim Schwartz. Somehow. We're trying to we're trying to sort of shield him from this. But I mean, look at look at how many of Jim Schwartz's guys are here. He is clearly in the driver's seat. But sorry, God. No, no, I'm, that's an excellent point, and you're right. And you know, we have seen with this defense, we have seen glimpses of them being very good. We've seen them shut down some very good offenses. It's just they cannot sustain anything from week to week, and it doesn't seem to matter if it's a good opponent or a bad opponent. They just, for whatever reason, there are many weeks where they just don't show up. And Aaron Rodgers last week was vintage Aaron Rodgers. I, I there's. It's, it would be very hard for an elite defense to stop Aaron Rodgers on a night when he was playing like that. But that being said, I, I think Jim Schwartz escapes a lot of criticism. And, you know, one of the things that, I, that I'm not wild about is that he does not speak on game day. You know, and I know I don't necessarily think that all coaches have to, you know, speak all the time and, you know, that they, they necessarily owe us anything or whatever. But, you know, it's... It, it seems, you know, that when you're when your unit has had a tough night, that the thing to do is not necessarily stand up and and you know let the head coach handle all of those, you know, take all of those bullets when the head coach, in this case Doug Peterson, has nothing to do with the defense at all. Uh, yeah, and um, I mean, I just want to point out, and we, if you listen to "Don't Go to the Phones," there's going to be a lot of overlap here. But the, oh, my bad. That's, no, that's <laughs> fine. But. Um, when uh, the offense plays poorly, it's because Doug didn't call up his good play sheet. And when the defense plays poorly, it is because Jalen Mills wags his finger. So, <laughs> you know, just think about that for a second. That's and I true. understand yeah. that Jim Schwartz is like proven, you know, and I and I guess we can't really discount that. But I also sort of think that like, look, Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz has, has not never been fired. You know, like there is right. there is like a downside to this guy. He has eventually like 
encountered issues you know he was out in buffalo and i know why don't tell me i don't care you know he was out in detroit and i know yeah yeah don't care but like you know this guy is not like he is not some you know you know perfect guy so it's just funny that i think you're right uh i guess the only thing i would disagree with you on is i don't really care if he talks but like i certainly don't understand why you know doug's got slop out here to work with for the most part you know on offense with the exception of like guys like Sproles and even when he involves guys like Sproles too much he still takes heat for it by the way I noticed that like people are like you can't just give the ball to Sproles 12 times a game well like maybe you can you should try it like you know (laughs) and uh you you know uh or when he's doing his thing or going for it on fourth down or whatever but Jim Schwartz he's just like how's Jim Schwartz supposed to do all this when he's got like um you know, $175 million there on the defensive line, but, like, Jalen Mills is playing. And, like, I don't care. Figure it out. Like, there's a million Jalen Millses. Hell, there's probably a lot of guys who are a lot worse than Jalen Mills playing right now. Absolutely. And all of those guys are, like, I don't know, hanging, taking heat. Like, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take it on the chin. And I don't know if the media is the one to give it to him, but I guess you know if you want to stand up there and and you know if you want to have Jim Schwartz roll his eyes at you while you ask what the hell just happened, I guess that's one way to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I just think you know for, from his perspective, because you have basically these two units who are so separated, and he's essentially the head coach of half the team. I mean, I guess he he does answer to Doug, and that's his reason for you know, on game day saying, you know, I don't talk because there needs to be one unified voice. But it often sounds a lot of times like that that Doug doesn't really know what to say about the defense. And so and a lot of times he comes off sounding, you know, not so bright when talking about the defensive effort. So that that's my only point with with Jim Schwartz. I mean, and him and him talking or not talking. And I don't know if that's fair or not, but yeah. Um, you know, it's it just seems like a funny hill to die on because, you know, it's, yeah. Jeff McLean wrote that article this week saying, like, you know, Jim and Howie need to talk. And I and I guess I guess I understand he's a reporter. So, you know, talking is probably like the first step. But like more than that, I think they need to, like, do better. You know, that would probably that would, well, that would help. Yeah, <laughs> that would probably be my goal for this is like is like, look, I don't I guess I don't really care if you ever speak to me again, but you got to like you got to do better. And, um, you know, it's just it's just funny that that these guys have have mostly escaped criticism. And and I don't know that I don't know that them talking on game day would would help or would would like, you know, lessen that if they in other words, if they'd be criticized more if they talked on game day. But I don't I don't really know that it matters. I know I just fans want explanations for why things didn't work. And, you know, when when nobody's there to give you a, a reasonable or a logical answer, I think there's there's a little bit of lashing out that goes on. But it's it's largely silly. I get what you're saying. And, you know, it's probably of all the things of all the things to worry about right now, it's probably reason thing number eight hundred ninety five. Um, one of the things higher up the list. Um, the topics of conversation is one of the guys that is we were talking about a second ago got a big contract extension during the offseason uh, the all pro defensive tackle Fletcher Cox I mean there's been a lot of criticism of his play and if you just look at the numbers he's not producing he's he's not pre, he's not recording sacks he's um, he, he's he's not as you watch the game a lot of times this year with the exception of a few here and there he has not seemed to have a big impact as you as you give it the eyeball test but you know as as happens so often with with 
play on both the offensive and the defensive lines. There's lots of things going on there that we don't see right off the bat that you got to look at the all 22. You've got to look at the coaches tape to see what's going on. And I, you know, I know we were talking a little bit about this beforehand. That's kind of the case with Fletcher Cox right now, isn't it, Matt? Sorry. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, Fran wrote up a piece that said that he's really playing well. And I guess I can see that it's definitely frustrating that, you know, he's not making more of an impact and it's easy enough to neutralize one guy. Um, I guess it's sort of disappointing because, you know, if Brandon Graham's having an off night or if he's getting handled, there's really nobody else there. Benny didn't play that well. Um, it's, it's all disappointing because these are a lot of guys that we like a lot. And um, when we when we see them not playing very well or, you know, it's 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 sort of hard to like really point fingers. I mean, it's easy enough for me. I can just say, I mean, look, Connor Barwin stinks like that's pretty clear. Um, And then, you know, if Brandon Graham's off, then, you know, or Benny's off. But, you know, uh, Fran put up a a gif of um, of Fletch being triple teamed. You know, he's got two interior linemen and a running back on him. And it's like, look, he literally couldn't be, be making more of an impact without actually making an impact. Um, and it's frustrating. He, and he did get a lot of money and he hasn't really produced after starting out to a hot start. Um, and, and maybe he's just not that like utter game wrecker. Maybe he's like one of those, like, you know, first or second order guys where it's like, well, you know, he's not the game wrecker, but like he enables other guys to, to wreck games. But, uh, it's kind of disappointing, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm sympathetic to it. It's certainly, I think it would be a take at this point to say like, oh, get Fletcher Cox the hell out of here. But um, sure. uh, the other guys, like man, that that's really disappointing. Uh, BG has had a great season, uh, so I think it's it's hard for you know you to, yeah, if he has an off game here or there. But like man, there's nobody to pick up the slack. Uh, and, and whenever I think about that stuff, like like Vinny Carr, he was supposed to be it, but he's playing more and he's not really holding up. Um, you know, and Barwin, he's definitely he definitely stinks. Marcus Smith has been making plays, and like, what the hell's up with that? But um, <laughs> you know, the the I always said Marcus Smith could do what Connor Barwin does, but for cheaper. But um, <laughs> but anyway, um, the uh, what was I saying? So well, so the so the I guess the the issue is just that you know. Curry's not doing it. Uh, if BG's not on, then, like, no one's left. And, like, where's Benny been? Like, where are any of these other guys? And so, you know, Fletch is taking all this crap because he's the guy, and he, I guess he gets paid good money to take this kind of crap. But it sucks. It sucks because, the, you're right, there's there's no other help. And I guess, the, I guess the question then to ask yourself is, you know, does it make sense to blitz a little bit more? Because I know this is not a blitzing defense, and I know that the Eagles secondary, if you blitz and you don't get there, you leave a weak secondary, especially a weak set of cornerbacks exposed. And, you know, that you if you're going to blitz, then you got to get there and you, and you got to do it quickly. But if the front four is not generating consistent pass rush, then, you know, is that something Schwartz has to consider? Does he have to go outside of his box and change things up a little bit? Because if what you're doing isn't working, then continuing to do that thing, continuing to try and rely on the same four, five, six players in a rotation on the defensive line when they're not getting there, when they're not making anything happen, seems kind of silly to me. You, you need to you need to do something else, even if it's just a, a little bit more, an extra, you know, a play here and there, dial something up. You know, I was frustrated last week as Aaron Rodgers kept getting those quick passes out here and there, left and right, getting you know tons of passes under ten yards. Play press coverage, get up on the wide receiver. Yeah, and get your hands up. 
get your hands up something even if you don't necessarily have the personnel to do it at least show it give it a try you know because what was going on wasn't working and there's this this th- these adjustments that need to happen in game which you know I don't see I mean when the when things are going well for the Eagles defensive front they're generating they're generating a pass rush from the front four and that's great when it happens but it hasn't happened enough this year and so you know aside from getting rid of everybody you've got to scheme it differently yeah I couldn't agree more I um I think we saw we saw some safety blitzes. That certainly seemed like an odd choice, given the, how much success the passing game was having. You know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe that was the point, and you know, maybe they should be sending Kendricks or Bradham or Hicks. Who, I mean, I, frankly, all three of those guys are are good blitzers. Um, but I don't. So I don't know. I did I did think it was an odd choice because I saw McLeod and Jenkins both come a handful of times. I'm thinking like. Don't you need those guys like elsewhere? And, and you know, like <laughs> like you know, send Hicks, right? Like Hicks is Hicks is like big, and he's a good coverage guy, but he's not like, you know, right. he's not like playing back. And you know, I don't know. I I haven't. I'm not, and I'm not gonna. I'm just not. I'm I'm tired, but I'm not gonna go and look through like what sorts of coverages they were playing. So maybe maybe he accounted for that. But either way, I mean, these these he loves to send these safeties up the middle, and and it's sort of, uh, uh, well, it didn't work. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got. I mean, well, anyway, this turned into yeah, a recap I, show, didn't it? Yeah. No. no I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, we're gonna move it. <laughs> we we're gonna move it forward now because we do want to talk about the Bengals this week, and you know it. You know this. The level of excitement for this for this game is definitely taking a hit because up until now, every game has had a lot of playoff potential, uh, playoff implications involved, and now we're the Eagles are you know sitting here at five and six, and yeah, if they win out. They they finished ten and six and they finished with three wins against divisional opponents over the last four weeks and maybe that means they can jump up ahead and grab the last wild card spot. But at this point, you know when we're looking ahead to the Cincinnati Bengals team, the Bengals come in at three seven and one. The game's in Cincinnati. Um, we're still not sure exactly what we're going to have with Jordan Matthews. He pra- he was limited in practice on Thursday, but I saw some video that he did not he did not look good. He did, he was not running at a hundred percent. Um, Ryan Matthews was not at practice. He's likely to be out. Halapulavati Vaitai missed practice. He's likely to be out. Um, looks like at least Brandon Brooks is feeling better and that he'll be ready to go on Sunday. But you know the the Eagles are, are could potentially be missing a couple of key pieces on offense. And you know they can't even against a team that's not very good in the Cincinnati Bengals. And folks, the Cincinnati Bengals are not very good. I watched them play an entire game against the New York Giants two weeks ago because I had Tyler Eifert in my fantasy league and I needed a big night, so I just decided to watch Tyler Eifert for an entire night. And God, that was an that, awful game. It was an awful game. Ugh. It started off good because both offenses were moving up and down the field, and then both offenses just forgot how to play football. It was ugly and you know you're coming you're the the Bengals have some issues of their own Giovanni Bernard isn't going to play no AJ Green the the Eagles catch a break by missing out on one of the best wide receivers in football but you know looking ahead to Cincinnati here Matt um who is who is there on the Bengals that scares you uh if you're if you're the Eagles right now well their top three receivers this year have been Brandon LaFell AJ Green and Tyler Boyd and Tyler Boyd I think is a is a sort of an interesting guy but I kind of think that you know he's somewhat limited athletically and you know yada 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 but uh I guess if you're looking at it the you know their Tyler Eifert is their big weapon and you know he's he's been coming on strong as of late but um it should be tough and I, and I think that uh Jeremy Hill you know 
know, he's another guy who's like sort of a name, although he's sort of worked his way into the doghouse here at times. Mm -hmm. But with Bernard out, they're going to have really have no choice but to play him. So um, no one, I think. I mean, the Bengals haven't been like they haven't been like a very effective team They're You know, and their their record sort of shows that they're just kind of just kind of around. And it's funny because I sort of think that last year I thought that the Bengals were one of the better teams in the league. And and I think that that all is just sort of abruptly changed. I mean, their pass rush has, has pretty much disappeared. Their secondary's gotten, you know, one year older and further in debt. And <laughs> their, uh, you know, their defense hasn't really improved. Their, their offense has been, like, worse. I mean, everybody was, like, talking about... Oh, you know, Andy Dalton, like, is he finally? But no, he's not. And so, no, he's not. yeah, he's still he's still the dandy Dalton that we all know and love. But <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. He um, he's uh, he's not good. I mean, the offense isn't really playing and they've lost a lot of coaches, you know, spare me. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, this is this is a game that the Eagles should win. But of course, we said that last week and, and none of what I say matters anyway. Well, no, I can't predict Eagles games anymore. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to. I, I actually thought they would lose last week just because not, not, this team has not made sense from one week to the next. There's been no, there's no consistency whatsoever uh, on this, you know, with this roster, with this team, with this group of players They're from, from one week to the next. There's nothing you can rely on and say this team does this really well every single week. And so, yeah, they go into, they go into the Bengals, uh, they go into Cincinnati, they're going to play the Bengals on the road. They'll be looking for their second road win of the year, and playing on the road has been an ugly proposition for this team, even against teams that aren't all that good. So, you know, I'm my level of confidence against Cincinnati, even as as putrid as they looked when I saw them a couple weeks ago, and given their three seven and one record, I'm still not very confident the Eagles can go into Cincinnati, as, especially if Jordan Matt and. Listen, I don't love Jordan Matthews either. I think he's I think he's a bit overrated, but I think he's he is absolutely a necessary piece for the Eagles to do to have any chance of winning against Cincinnati on Sunday in my eyes. I mean, is I know you know it's I can't believe I'm saying, you know, Jordan Matthews, the Eagles have to have Jordan Matthews to win against the Bengals or at least to put some points on the board on offense, but if they don't, I mean, DGB is your number one wide receiver. I mean, that's just not that is not going to get it done, man. I mean, there's no way they can win that way. Oh, you got to get Ertz involved. You got to get Ertz involved. That's right. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't know. Right, you're right, and you're absolutely right. And I, I'm with you. I'm sort of Jordan Matthews, sort of this odd golden boy kind of thing. I don't know. I just resent it. Why does anybody like me that much? But um, <laughs> I like you that much, pal. Uh, Your ace up. is in my book, my friend. <laughs> hey, shut up. Um, <laughs> That's my place. <laughs> so, so no, but you know the the guy. Uh, he's always it's always been like this kind of thing where people are like, oh, he's so underappreciated, and like now that's all he is, right? Is yeah. he's just like, oh, I, you know, he, we're never going to appreciate him the the exact right amount, I guess. So, um, but on the other hand, you're right because I mean, man, that offense without him that did that did not look very good. I. No. I, Against a bad defense. Yeah, and I, I guess I felt somewhat vindicated that people were like, "Why not play Treggs? Like, why not play Turner?" Well, guess what? Because they don't, you know, they can't get open. They don't know how to play their positions. Like, they are like, I don't know. There was just one play where Treggs just got like the, the defender, like just totally fought through him, and Treggs was just like, "Uh." And I'm thinking, like, man, if Aguilar did that, that would probably be all we talk about for 18 years. <laughs> and like so anyway it doesn't matter um they they do need matthews um if they want to have any semblance you know he and wentz never really haven't really developed this sort of rapport that i think we were hoping you know they had their own little their celebration and stuff but you know matthews himself has like disappeared quite a bit yeah 
No, he's into the, he he does get invisible sometimes. Um, and so, but I we did see in the first half, you know, that he he seemed to play better in the first half against the Packers again against a, a defense that is not very good. And you saw what it was like without him. Um, kind of looking at the Bengals real quick, you know, they were a playoff team last year, like you mentioned. They they seem to have a good roster coming into the season. We're you know, they were projected to be a playoff team. Um, but what you see with the Bengals, what's happened with them is what happens with every team that goes bad. The lines, the lines have gone completely to hell. The offensive line, which was one of the better units in the NFL last year. Suddenly they, they cannot protect Andy Dalton in any way, shape or form. And they are opening up no running lanes for the running backs whatsoever. And on the defensive front, you know, they've got two guys in Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap who are really good players. They both were, double figures in sacks last year and now this year they've combined for I think it's 11 when I when I looked that stat up so you know their defensive line is having I think some some issues similar to what the Eagles are going through right now a lot of inconsistency from some guys who you've seen do great things who just aren't doing those great things this year and you know it's if the Eagles are going to move the ball it seems to me they've got to do it running the football this week. I know we talk about it some, you know, because the uh, this offense and the wide receivers are not very good, the Eagles need to establish a running game, but the weak part of this Cincinnati of the Cincinnati defense is is rushing the ball right now. Uh, is is against the running game and you know, I I really I'd be curious to see if Wendell Smallwood if they can stick to, if they can commit to him just you know for for a little bit and and mix in Sproles as a as a as a scat back up the middle and as, as a pass receiver out of the backfield those two guys have to have to get in have to be a focus of the offense if they're going to win this week what do you think uh yeah well we are living in a post Ryan Matthews world i assume seems like it yeah, yeah. so so long ryan and and who would have thunk yeah, right yeah. i mean <laughs> I, I think all the uh all the scarf manufacturers in philadelphia are, are... <laughs> I'm really starting to worry because he's got a big neck. Anyway, um, so, so I'm glad you explained that last part because I wasn't sure where the big neck thing. I got you. Now. All right, yeah, good. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, the uh, what was I saying? So the, so the um, right they and they definitely do need to run the ball. I mean, it would be nice to just see that in general. It'd be nice to get one of those games where they just come out and they run a lot. You know, the Wendell Smallwood game, as Cincinnati fans will inevitably call it. But um, <laughs> you know, I I wonder if. Um, uh, you know, I wonder. I wonder if they're thinking about. Um, I don't know. I was gonna say get the tight ends more involved. Trey Burton, like who knows? Uh, ugh. God. <laughs> no, I know. It's that's the idea. I mean, yeah, Kenyon Barner is he gonna? Uh, there's just you know the when you're looking at the talent level on offense, there's just not a whole lot to work with here, and you know, and poor Carson Wentz, you know, I mean, he's, I, I you know, every week you, I see him and he's he's doing good things, you know, he makes those rookie mistakes that you know we knew he was going to make at some point this year, but overall, you know, it's just what what he's done with nothing is encouraging, I think, you know, and he's got a he's got another he's it almost doesn't matter the quality of the defense the Eagles are playing nowadays, whether it's they're playing a good defense, a mediocre defense, or a defense that's really struggling like the Bengals, the Eagles are just going to have trouble no matter what defense they're playing right now because their offense and skill position players are that poor. And so that's why I think this game against, I think it's going to be a struggle against Cincinnati. I mean, I I do think the Eagles def- defense can do some damage against this Bengals offensive line. I mean, if there was ever a game for these defenders who are coming off a real rough game against Green Bay to get, you know, a little bit of an I told you so to against their critics, it'll, it would be this week against Cincinnati. And I'll bet you if they have a good game against Cincinnati, you're going to hear that a lot. It's like, I told you we were good. I told you we could play all this kind of, to all the haters out there who hate us, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, I think that's 
that's the kind of game we're looking at here if the Eagles are going to win. Yeah. What's the point? Which is fun. Yeah. That's always a that's always a fun post game. <laughs> oh you know? yeah, I told you. Yeah, I don't know, but um, I mean they are going up against PFS number one rated tackle Andrew Whitworth. I would, <laughs> I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Andrew Whitworth. You can't end up, you can't have a podcast about the Bengals that's without young Andrew, Andrew Whitworth. Whitworth. Yeah. So hey, let's talk about let's talk about Marvin Lewis real quick, Matt, because he's been there since the dawn of time. Um, you know and. I, I, you, how does he still have a job? I'm going to just ask you flat out a nice, easy one. How is Marvin Lewis still employed? Uh, he's probably really nice. I don't you know. know. Yeah, here he's a, he's a, he seems like a yeller. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe he buys really good Christmas <laughs> presents. I don't know. That could be. That could be. Um, yeah. He, yeah, he is, uh, he's the longest tenured coach in the NFL. Um, he edges out Bill Belichick by, I think, days or is it a year? I don't remember. But, um, yeah, he is currently no, the longest tenured coach in the NFL. Uh, that's always sort of the proverbial, uh, uh, whatever, the, the not the catbird seat, the other kind, the bad seat. You know, that's the, the hot seat. Um, <laughs> the you hot know, seat, the, yes. That's always sort of the thing. And so, you know, famously he's never won a playoff game. Uh, works for a famously cheap owner who once paid uh, the other Shula, um, whose name is... Dave? I think, Dave, does that sound right? I believe Dave. it's Dave Shula. You're thinking? No, yes. is it? Is that the Panthers' offensive coordinator? There's another Shula. Oh, I didn't know there's another Shula. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Dave, I, I know Dave Shula used to coach the Bengals back in the day. Yeah, no, it is. You're right. It is. It's Dave Shula, who is uh, until the reign of Gus Bradley, the worst coach ever and they let him he let him play out his contract because he didn't he'd, otherwise he would have had to pay him another uh year for not working you know even though he won here we go he was 19 and 52 in his uh seasons with the Bengals. Yikes. yeah Yikes. um that is terrible it's a tw- that's a 26.8 winning percentage so good for him uh so you know maybe maybe there's like a little bit of that i mean marvin lewis has had a good career you know he was the architect of that great ravens defense early on yada 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 but i i mean you got to think that they're looking at him and they're thinking like now's the time that we give him you know second prize as a set of steak knives and we tell him <laughs> that you know thanks and good luck because you know i think his contract is up or it's either, maybe it's got a year left or whatever but you know this is not a uh uh this is not this guy he, they they've looked like they're on the doorstep for a while and now that they're not it's like you know this is the perfect time it's the perfect i mean he's got they got a, this is a a playoff team that is playing 3-7 and 1 football right now i mean this is the perfect time to make a change in cincinnati i i, I can't imagine that he survives this but i've said that 3 or 4 times already with marvin lewis so i mean maybe maybe he's like a supreme court justice i mean he might just have this job until he dies or you know decides to retire to the farm or wherever it is he wants to be when when all is said and done i mean because that's that's the only logical explanation to this you know or either or he has pictures of something that i i you know I don't know, but he did go to Idaho State. Maybe he's got some property up that way. Could be, yeah. could be. It'd be a potato farmer in his in his later years. That's a, that's a fine. That's a fine living. <laughs> fine living. Um, all right. Any anything else with the Bengals in this game? You want to you want to touch on here, Matt? No, I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I didn't think so either. No, okay. I, uh, they should be able to handle this, right? I mean, the Bengals have quit. The Bengals have legit quit. You know, yeah. not like they're about to quit or they look like they're thinking about quitting. I mean, they have legit right. quit. Here's one. Um, 
I the Bengals have quite a few guys on that team who are uh, unscrupulous with their bodies, let's say. So I would really, really hope that no one gets hurt. That would probably be, you know, I used to feel this way when Washington had those two safeties. It was like it was a, I think it was Whitner and Merriweather, mm-hmm. um, and like both those guys. I think they were I think that's the two. But they had these guys who just would like throw themselves around and had these reputations for being dirty players, hard hitters, whatever. And so you know now they have Perfect. Um, mm-hmm. They have Georgia Loca. You know these are guys. These are guys who don't just hit hard, but they don't hit smart. They don't hit like nicely. They they like play like you know pieces of shit. So I just would really hope that like when we're looking at these guys, these players that we root for that we love, that these guys just leave them alone. You know, because because perfect. You know, what if perfect just comes and levels Darren Sproles in a play he's not even in? Great, it's like 15 yards, but you know that could be the end of Sproles' season. Or Carson Wentz, God yeah, help us. Well, that's, you don't want to so blitz the, or something like yeah. Yeah, and that's the that's the one that I'm really worried about. And I always I always feel this way whenever we go up against teams like this. And I'm really glad that like first of all, NFC North fans, the Big Ten fans of the NFL, you know, they're like, oh, it's a hard hitting division. We just got to like yeah. I want <laughs> no part of that. Like I like watching the guys that I like play for like most of the time. So uh, you know, just get get through this game healthy. No, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, let's real quick before we move on, let's just uh, give a, a player to watch this week. Um, you know, my, my player to watch this week is going to be uh, I'm going to keep an I, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on Fletcher Cox this week. I, I want to see what he does this week coming off of, I think, probably the most criticism that he's faced um, since uh, since coming to the Eagles. And, you know, he's. He's been he's been kind of the golden boy, and for very very good reason. He is a terrific football player, but you know I'm I'm looking for a special kind of performance from him because I do think he's going to be motivated to have one of those you know shove it in your face games. I told you so kind of kind of games, and I this is a game where I could see even if he does face a, a lot of doubles and triple teams, or he if maybe he doesn't have two or three sacks or whatever, but he has a big impact on the football game. So he's going to be. He's going to be my player to watch this week. Matt, who do you got? Uh, my player to watch is Zach Ertz. No, it's not. <laughs> I, thought, yeah, I thought maybe for a second you meant that. Uh, um, my player to watch, uh, I'll probably stick on the defensive line. I mean, I think I picked him a lot, but Brandon Graham, you know, he's got to have a good game. This is this is the sort of game that, like, look, if it isn't the Fletcher Cox game, like, let's make sure that this is the Brandon Graham game and yeah. that Brandon Graham, uh, like, you know, thanks him. <laughs> <laughs> a hearty handshake after the game right or yeah or like a new atv is these seems what, seems whatever is the whatever's the standard of the times yeah it seems know. like the, that's always the thing that you hear about it's like <laughs> if they're on the rookie contract it's it's an xbox if they're not it's like an atv it's always right. be the thing that you hear the guys buying each other i don't know maybe it's a tax thing absolutely yeah um all right listen um because we're so good at it uh, why don't we pick a couple games for the folks here and make some kids some money burn it burn it Banana, banana, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> gotta get my uh, harmonica. Um, <laughs> that was a trumpet. That was a muted trumpet. It's a tr- or a sousaphone. I'm not sure. It's a trombone. It always reminds me of uh, the. Uh, I grew up in Southwest Florida, and everybody there's from the Midwest, and they all say trombone. <laughs> <laughs> You hear that? Do, they say trombone. Oh yeah. Oh, my husband Henry used to play the trombone. I used to. I was in the jazz band in high school, and we'd always meet a bunch of Midwesterners. They're like, "Oh, this is Matthew. He's in the jazz band." Anyway, um, okay. What? So, I have nothing. I have nothing to say to that. Go ahead. Shouts to the Youpers. Uh, yeah. What uh? What game are you looking at? I, I I'm look. I'm looking at Redskins Cardinals here. It's Damn a it. Sunday 4:25 game. I'm sorry. Did I steal your thunder uh-huh, there? Uh huh. 
I'm sorry, pal. Well, I think I'm going to go the dire- same direction you were going to go. I mean, I, the Redskins are getting two and a half on the road in Arizona. Arizona favored by two and a half in this one. And, you know, I, Washington's playing really well. I just, I don't know wh- what happened to Arizona this year, but they stink. They're yeah. lousy. I mean, and I love Washington- it. Those, those guys are the worst. It's just, it's so terrible. I mean, they have so much talent on offense. I mean, you've got David Johnson, but Carson Palmer has has reverted back into you know old Carson Palmer, which is actually younger Carson Palmer when he wasn't you know as good as he was last year. Whatever that whatever's going on in Arizona, it's not good. And Washington's offense right now is on quite a roll. Um, say what you want about Kurt Coupons, but he is playing some pretty good quarterback right now. Um, and the one thing that could hurt the Redskins is it's, it, Jordan Reed might be out of this game. But the damnedest thing has happened with when Jordan Reed has not been in. And Vernon Davis is playing like, you know, second and third year with the 49ers Vernon Davis right now. And so I'm not so sure that, you know, losing Jordan Reed is a big loss, but they can probably cover it to some degree with Vernon Davis and uh, the rest of the receiving core uh, that they have there. Jamison Crowder's been good. Um, when Deshaun Jackson's on the field, he's been making a play or two here and there. I like I like Washington to win that game um, and easily cover the spread there. Yeah, uh, I guess I agree. Um, I wonder if Carson Palmer's elbow is acting up. You know, he's had that untreated UCL, I think. And Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. He never really did anything about it because, you know, he throws a football. It's not the same as throwing a baseball. It's not like his arm is going to, I mean, it probably hurts. And, you know, he rehabbed it for a while. And, and, and I just wonder if, you know, he's, well, he's 37 now. Because... Yeah, so he's an older player. I mean, he's got an he's got an established injury, like, that hasn't yeah. been really fixed. You know, I just wonder if there's something going on there. But, um, uh... Where was I? Oh, so uh, I guess I'm going to go down to Atlanta. I'm going to get in my car and sit in traffic, go about five miles in about 45 minutes on a highway. It's um, a great place. Yeah. Uh, the Falcons are four-and-a-half-point favorites uh, against the Chiefs. You know, and I, I get it's at Atlanta, but, you know, the Chiefs have been playing really well. We yep. keep talking about this. You know, they are that is a good football team, and Vegas just does not like them for whatever reason. I guess because, you know, they're not exactly high-octane, but they're always good at forcing turnovers. The defense plays great, and the offense is playing, uh, you know, really well so i'm gonna go ahead and say that uh the chiefs uh you know four and a half point underdogs is certainly you know if they they certainly could could cover that absolutely no good call and i frankly the falcons offense has slowed down a little bit not nearly as uh, dynamic as it was early in the season too so um all right um are we gonna do an eagles pick here are we gonna i mean give a a, how do we feel about this eagles game shaking out do you want to give a score or do we want to just say the hell with it or whatever yeah uh I'll say Eagles 20, Bengals 14. All right. Um, I'm going to – I don't know. I don't feel good about them on the road here. I'm going to take – I'm going to say the Beng- the Bengals win this in a very, very ugly contest. I'll say Bengals 21, Eagles well, – I'll say Bengals 21, Eagles 20. We'll call it a nail-biter um, on, on Sunday. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um, no, I mean, listen, Eagles fans, that there is, there is, well, I'll do, let's do this. You got any final thoughts, Matt, before we get out of here? Cause I'm going to, I was about to give my final thought before final thought time. Uh, holding should be a five yard penalty. 
Uh, I guess I was sort of thinking about that. It seems like it seems like the re- you know obviously we've all seen the tons and tons of uncalled holds and and then of course the counter argument is always oh holding happens on every play. But I just think that the calculus for the refs is you know the refs are very hesitant to, to give out ten yard penalties. You know yeah. we've seen it and and it seems like. I mean, to be honest, it seems, you know, the idea that maybe you hold to avoid a sack to avoid like around a five yard loss. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like if you made it switch into a five yard penalty, refs might call it a little bit more and we'd all probably be a little bit happier. And, you know, the, the uh, flip side of that would probably be that, you know, it might not be the sort of game breaking penalty that it is, you know, maybe a five yards or a spot of the foul or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, five yards, something you know, something like that. It should it should be like a little bit, uh, a little bit less, so that we might see it a little bit more. Well, defensive holding is five yards. Why can't offensive holding be five yards? That's I right. Think that's, I yeah. think that's a perfectly legitimate argument. Absolutely. Um, all right. My final thought for this week is that you know, even though the the Eagles' odds of making the playoffs have plummeted, it does not look good, and they're a, they're just a tough team to watch right now. You've still got Carson Wentz, who's playing well. Um, and he's not putting up numbers. He's not putting up. He's he's not doing what Dak Prescott is doing with a ton more help in Dallas. Uh, but what we're seeing from Carson Wentz is a guy who still looks as though he's in command of a bad offense. I mean, that sounds silly to say, but Carson Wentz still looks like he's in command, and you can still see you can still see it in some of the throws, some of the moves that he made on the run, that juke that he made. Um, when he uh, on, on that one long running play against Green Bay was reminded me a lot of the Donovan that famous Donovan McNabb juke against the the Redskins in Washington um, back in I think it was his second or third year, which NFL Films used in like their slow motion um, uh, video package that they used to run on commercials all the time. I mean, he what you're seeing from Carson Wentz continues to uh, let you believe that if they can give this kid some help this off season, he's going to be fine, and if. Carson Wentz is going to be fine. The Eagles are going to be fine. So these last five games should be all about just watching Carson Wentz. Watch his mechanics. Watch watch what he's able to do. See see if he can make, you know, chicken salad out of chicken crap here. And maybe the Eagles can win a few games along the way. They've got to win their last five to have any shot at the playoffs. I'm not even, I don't think there's any chance that happens. But there is something to watch these last five weeks, and it's Carson Wentz. And, you know, that's not a bad thing to, you know, watch your rookie quarterback, a guy who, you know, can be a, have a, you at least suspect can be a franchise player. So, all right. All right, Matt. Good pleasure working with you again, my friend. As always, John. <laughs> Matt, that'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio, episode number 208. For Matt Daring, I'm John Stolness for BleedingGreatNation.com and BGNRadio.com. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours. <laughs>